0: the things that you expect of the city of Atlanta to be at? Like the vibes you expect? What's the energy you expect from Atlanta? Black. <laughs> 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 One word. That's it. <laughs> that's
1: it. Perfect.
0: Perfect. Before they get
2: in
1: your business Be in of your business only What's up good people?
0: Welcome into Montgomery & Company. I'm Renee Montgomery and listen, sports and sporting, okay? We saw Michigan State and Michigan getting a little tussle in the tunnel. We also saw the NWSL Championship game as I'm going to talk more about... Shouts to the Portland Thorns. We have our MoCo newsroom going on this week, and there's a lot going on with that, okay? Twitter's changing, and y'all know I love Twitter. I'm stressed about that. Julia Roberts, Coretta Scott King. There's a lot going on, but the headliner this week is Amanda Seals. We talk to her about a little bit of everything. We talk to her about politics. We talk to her about social media. How does that affect your professional career and casting? We talk about a little bit of everything, so stay tuned and tap in. Let's go! So listen, we were at the NWSL Championship Weekend this week. First of all, shouts to Jessica Berman, the commissioner over there. Love her energy and everything that's going on. So okay, so the weekend started with, I hosted one of the segments in a panel. It was a dope room where there were brand sponsors, there were athletes there were owners there was a lot of different people there but it was a very powerful room delta was there mastercard was there um alexis other people might know him as Serena's husband, but he was amazing. He was talking there. There were male allies there. Um, There was just a lot of different people there. And so it felt amazing. One of the things that i talked about was how can we use each other to build momentum as in like I'm the WNBA in a sense of an owner, player turned owner, but what about the NWSL? They're growing in the same way we are. They have the same fight we have. So I'm like, why don't we all just link up and become our own Avengers? And we got allies in this thing. So it's not just about women only, but it's about raising women's sports. So that's kind of what the panel was about. But then there was also the championship game. So it was dope because it was Serena's first game. And it was exciting because... I wanted to see what the atmosphere was like you know we ran into Alicia Clark Elizabeth Williams Terry Jackson so we saw that there was some basketball uh soccer intersection going on I ran into a lot of people shouts to Kelsey Trainer. but it was just like the energy in the building I have recently been watching Wrexham and so as I was watching Wrexham there's just a different feel for soccer there's the drums there's the chants, there's the you know things waving and different things of that nature it had all of that and of course it had the talent the skill set I played soccer in high school and I basically was just there so that like what I was doing I don't even want to call myself a soccer player but I was out there playing soccer so just to see that level of talent I mean listen we got to shout out Sophia Smith for real for real because not only was she MVP of the league then she got finals MVP she kind of did what Asia Wilson did over here on the WNBA side so shouts to the NWSL shouts to the Portland Thorns on a championship shouts to all the growth going on over there and also shouts to the NWSL saying no to the bag that was sent to them from the TV package whatever that was they said do better the price went up shouts to that back at it again MoCo Newsroom Boy, we missed y'all last week, by the way. So we back at it. Shouts to the fam for doing MoCo Halloween because we called it MoCo-ween. But thank y'all for being a good sport. I already told y'all before, but when we come with these crazy ideas, Cole always, y'all know Cole's facial expression. She's always like, oh, Lord, what y'all got us into. (laughs) But but shouts to the crew. Happy post-Halloween. And let's get up in this thing. Okay, so who's going to start us out in the newsroom today?
2: Well, I'll start us out. Let's start out on some foolishness, uh, (laughs) and then we can see if we get to something serious in here. But let's just start out with Mr. Kanye, or as people are now calling him, Yay. And let's talk about how Mr. Kanye tried to walk up into uh, Skechers uninvited without an appointment. And so basically, he walked into the Manhattan Beach, California headquarters for Skechers, and... Just said he's just going to meet up with some people and talk about some things. And so them in very proper fashion. And apparently he tried to make have a filming going on and and all that. And they just shut that totally down. It was like an escorted from the building. So here's my question to people. Can you imagine being the person at the front desk who had to call upstairs <laughs> <laughs> and tell him that Kanye West is down That's here crazy. in the in, down here in this uh, foyer here and wants to speak to someone. In regards to his brand And then, can you imagine What two executives Because there had to be Somebody with some names And some stuff Credentials behind him Because you know He wasn't going to leave If it was just <laughs> Okie dokie Sam and, and me And we just walk up And we were just like Okie dokie Nicole And Sam like Hey it's nice to meet you And they'd be like No nah, I want to hear the, the big people So what two executives Had to come from upstairs Yeah And escort him out the building That is just a, The most funniest thing And then to piggyback On Mr. Ye To stay on that same thing And that was CNN business That actually Talked about Mr. Ye walking wow. from being escorted from the business from the building. Then, on top of that, Goodwill said, We are no longer putting out any of Yeezy's clothes on our this shelves. Is, so, you wow, know, you have will. really messed up when Goodwill is good not even will. accepting your clothes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's eternal really? events. Close. I mean, like, we don't want your charity. That's what they said to him.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you asked, what about being those execs? What about being Kanye West a week ago, where if Kanye mm-hmm. West said he was coming to the headquarters of anywhere a month ago, there would have been a red carpet that was rolled out starting at the airport. You yes. know, like it would have been just yes. The, yes. the ultimate welcome. And it just shows you like, man, the Kanye. The hypocrisy
3: of it all. Because, Woo. I mean, he said something something racist before concerning the Black race and no one withdrew anything. Hmm. It's okay. You know, it's just the hypocrisy uh, that now this one, now it brought down the house, but the first one, (laughs) it was just, ah, you know, he just said that. That's just
2: yay being yay. Yeah, yeah, That's the problem.
3: That is a problem. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing, though. People let you, you play with who lets you play with them. We we see who you don't play with. And I mean, like I saw that Robert Kraft, he sponsored a whole segment ad that went into Sunday Night Football to make an ad about you know to
1: to stop so oh, he was addressing anti-semitism
0: exactly so mm-hmm. you play with who who allows you to play yeah. with them they look folks was like in the Jewish community they was like no we don't play them reindeer games and they let you know that you don't play with our name so you know, that's the same Kraft, thing
3: excuse me Robert Kraft should have said that back in the day I mean you know look at the the biggest majority of his players he should have said this. yeah
0: but that's what that's what people see, are saying it's on it's, it's it's on what what do we do about
2: it
3: you know what what I mean? right, so I said, we went out and bought the new Yeezy
2: We bought the mm. new shoe We went out there the Gap and dug through trash bags to get sweatshirts uh, Yeah, you sweatshirts can't be mad at a we community for not allowing hate. Yeah. Like, did you community? see what he
1: recently said? He said that he takes back the comments yeah. that he made on George Floyd sure. because now he knows what it's like to have a knee on your neck because of all these no, companies pulling out. Exactly. No, he doesn't. He had to pay more money he
3: probably wanted to pay out. That's what he realized that people weren't going to sit down or stand up or any kind of way and take his stuff. Exactly.
0: So this is, listen, a lesson that we all should take from this situation is people treat you how you allow them to treat you. And the Jewish community said, we don't play them games. We know that everybody plays games on the internet. Everybody says things for clout. Everybody says things to get a PR run, to get attention. The Jewish community lets you know, don't play with us. And so that's a, that's a lesson to everybody. If somebody says something about your community or about something that you feel passionate about, the way that you don't play with them is you don't buy their stuff. You don't, I mean, this is since the beginning of time. You don't buy their brand. You don't acknowledge that they said it. You just don't acknowledge that person. That's what the Jewish community did. They never said Ye's name. They just went about saying there's, you know, dismantling there's, his yeah, they said kingdom. there's eight million Jewish people in the United States of America. That's less than watching Monday night Sunday night football. Like they made a very strong, powerful feast that. We are standing up for that 8 million. Listen, we saw the blueprint. Next time somebody comes for your community, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying, oh, cancel everybody. But I'm saying this has been this is not like a one time thing. This is a behavior. Now we're starting to see once you see a behavior, we got to believe it. And then we got to do accordingly because we can't get mad at another community for being like, no, we don't play them games like they shut it down quick.
3: Yep, You know, I've talked about this on the show before, and I've said that we really need to return to days of old because society is trying to return us to the days of old. So we need to go on back there and start our boycotts. I mean, you know, they were very successful. I mean, I I feel that there would be a lot besides our race that would join in if they knew the circumstances behind some of these things or some of these companies and the monies that they're putting in. Now, me personally, I'm not going to say it on air from what I read. And I see what CEO is backing what or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not fooling with those companies. I'm not getting a list of people or whatever. But we as people need to be smarter than we are when it comes to things like this. Let it be like water off a duck's back and just take it and go on. We need to really stand up and let people know that we hear, we understand, and we're not going to give our money to companies and individuals who act this way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. That's why he he feels a pressure, which is why he retracted his statement about George Floyd. So he's definitely feeling pressure from, from the bigger companies. But yeah, I agree. All right. So now we know there's a way to combat that. What's next in the newsroom? Uh, Okay, so while we're still on the topic of music artists, Shaka Khan recently said something that could probably offend some newer age artists. So, last week during the Angel Ball for Gabriel's Angel Foundation for Cancer Research, she said quote, there is some great stuff out there, and there are great artists. There are some very fine young artists out there doing great work that I am impressed with, but she also added, but the others, they just need to get them a job at the post office. They are always hiring. People are using auto-tune. They need to get to the post office quick. Oh, so my Lord. I, I feel I'm going not gonna going to lie. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. As a music artist, I was like, "Whoa, okay, I understand." But AutoTune has become kind of a norm in the studio. I mean, it's kind of like a given now. It's kind of like tone correction, tune correction, whatever it's called. I mean, I'm pretty sure they've used it on my vocals as well. So I'm like, "Oh my God, I feel no, attacked!" No, 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 <laughs> now, look, no. What we right? were singing <laughs> in the living room, and we didn't have anything there.
3: Exactly. Listen. <laughs> and here's the, and here's
2: and I let me tell you, I do agree with Shaka Khan to a point and i'm gonna tell you my father taught me this very young and i didn't know what he was talking about because you know being young and your dad's older and you're like okay dad whatever but dad said a real artist can perform their craft whether they're eight or whether they're 80. so if you're 80 years old when aretha Franklin was sitting on the stage she had to get up when she was sitting on stage blowing the place out that is a real artist now That's when true. you talk about tune correction Correcting a little minor here and there, you made a mistake, okay, and you know, it, it just to even it out is good. Okay, <laughs> these people cannot sing without. <laughs> Auto tune,
1: and also some people like uh, T Pain have made it kind of like their style. <laughs> but that's fine you know? because we know that's what T Pain's style is. Mm-hmm. But you have some people I think out here definitely started a
2: trend, too. a trend. But yeah. people are out here trying to sound like you naturally, but using <laughs> auto tune to do it. And then if you go to a concert and their music and all that goes away.
1: They can't sing a lick. Concerts over. Shut it down. Oh, they're using it at concerts too, which is crazy. Roy just <laughs>
0: said in the chat, no one could fix Fergie's rendition of the national anthem at the NBA All Star Game. Not even God. Roy, <laughs> <somebody> <laughs> <rolling a> little,
1: <laughs> real quick, because we all remember that game. Hey, if, 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 it's any, if it's worth anything, the national anthem is a very hard song. It's a to very, say. very hard they thing to do. To so only the strong survive.
0: <laughs> only the strong survive. But I think that there is a. You know, like there's like a fine line of it's like if there's an artist that you're not supposed to be known for your vocal, like if you're a powerhouse singer and we found out that you couldn't sing, I think it happened too when we started to see the versus battles. I don't know if anybody was paying oh attention goodness, to the versus gracious. battles, but there were some artists that people said wasn't sounding like their track. And then Usher, that's how the watch this thing became a mm-hmm. thing. Because Usher was like, in my live show, at my residency in Vegas, I'm gonna show y'all that I sound just like and my he did. tracks, oh, he did. And he so did. I think that that's what people are trying to distinguish. It's not about just fine tuning or fixing a little here or there, but it's like, can you sing in real life or not? And if oh. not, if not,
3: Auto Tune came into existence about twenty-five or thirty years too late for me because I've always <laughs> been able to do it. And if Auto Tune had been out there, I'd have been a big recording artist because I would have been using it and performing.
0: No. No, oh you gosh. said you got the stage presence. You had all that handled.
1: Just yeah. <laughs> missing a little <laughs> bit <of> the voice. <laughs> that reminds
0: me of uh, my sister-in-law, Kate Cruz, because like she can be a rapper right now. I'm gonna oh, tell yeah. you right now, yeah, she I think has that's, like
1: low key her dream, the
0: whole persona. <laughs> all we need is a ghost writer. If y'all are out there, holla at your girl. <laughs> okay <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh
0: <laughs> Oh that's crazy So alright I like that I mean Miss Shaka Khan Listen mm. I always feel some type of way Because when the legend Say something It's like She can say it She can say it
2: mm. Aretha you know Franklin When they were asking right. Who was it When they asked Aretha for Franklin About certain artists And she was giving her real rendition And she <laughs> said Taylor Swift She liked her dresses Or something like that You just gotta respect it Because that mm-hmm. is somebody Who can truly tell you About yourself And you can't get mad about it Don't get mad about it Just do
3: better That's yes. the Just do try. better Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to jump on in here next uh, okay. without any cue uh, and do my story. But uh, I saw in People Magazine where Julia Roberts had done an interview with Gail King and And Gail asked her about her birth and who paid for it because some researcher had uncovered that Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King had actually paid for her birth at the hospital. How is this possible? And the reason for that was that Coretta Scott had called her mom uh, because they had an acting studio or acting courses. And... Coretta couldn't find anywhere for her kids to take acting lessons or whatever. So she'd called there and uh, Julia Roberts' mother said, "Oh yeah, bring them on, bring them on." So when they had this little uh, you know problem with paying for the hospital bill, Martin Luther and Coretta stepped in and paid. A what that is so crazy! how, of how that is it just so, shows that's crazy. what a giving people you know yeah he was out there he was for all people you know it didn't matter wow. so that's just one of wow. the stories that lets you know where his heart Truly what, was And wow. also And also where
2: her family's heart was Because at that mm-hmm. time it That wasn't that allowed wasn't, So for her just to say Bring your children on Was something yeah. also shows you What their way. family yeah. Was about yeah. too Because they could have Simply said Oh no we don't Like everybody else we, we don't accept Those type of children here You know it could have been That situation as well So it, you know It just it worked out It showed you Like you said Two great families That work together And then look It's just amazing How small the world is
0: Yeah It's crazy because i'm sure that julia roberts has known this her whole life <laughs> and the fact that we're finding this out right now it's like that's incredible because first of all i'm a fan of julia roberts movies pretty woman was just going at the hotel, <laughs> hotel. hey listen walking down the street <laughs> hey, notting hill you just love notting hill is one of my favorite oh, yeah. movies of all Time. So I don't know why, but this just makes me feel closer to Julia. <laughs> I'm like, I knew, hilarious. I, liked
1: her, man. I, knew yes. I liked that family. Totally. Like, it's like, wow, like out of all people, Julia, he's like, she was just meant for greatness. Even in, like, wow, like you, yeah. like that's that's just incredible. That's that's crazy. Great wow. story.
0: I mean, you never know. That's one of those stories you never know. And so I guess I'm gonna close this newsroom out. Like, I hate we should have ended with Snooks' story because my story, you know, we we flying high. <laughs> right now and i don't want to bring us down but i think i'm about to bring us down okay <laughs> because twitter's ceo cfo oh, and head of legal God. affairs among those sacked as elon musk takes control of the company now y'all know i y'all knew i was gonna bring this story to the newsroom because i love twitter okay i'm out of there mm-hmm. i love call, <laughs> she said, I'm whoa, out there. whoa 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 call, call, call. you're not out of twitter just yet but let me just say I love Twitter y'all like when I tell you like I told y'all I tell you I tell y'all good morning sometimes I tell you good night happy Halloween you know Merry Christmas all of that like we're family we're friends and family on there. There's so many things that's happening. Like for instance, the first day that Elon Musk took over Twitter, there was a 500% spike in using the N-word with the ER at the end, the hard N-word, okay? So there was a huge spike. And then there was a side note. There was a high school girl who felt like she was a victim because people saw her using the N-word on the social media platforms. And then they found out who she was. And y'all know how that story ends when, I don't know what you thought was going to happen when you was using the N-word freely. Side note, during Halloween, there was a guy that dressed up as a Nazi, uh, somebody from a Nazi member and just walked into a bar in Soho, New York as if nothing was wrong. So then also on Twitter, I'm just rolling out the whole, what in the world is going on? also on Twitter. I do This is Booker. Hold on a second I'm li- <laughs> We gonna leave this in too Snook are you okay over there?
2: No your sister is up there Putting all her comments And, and, <laughs> and mom's phone must not be Because my phone tried to do it too And I Shasta was like to Shay
0: What up Shay We Shay, trying to film Shay, right Sissy? now Shay What up <laughs> Shay But on top of that So on top of those things That's happening Elon Musk takes over Boom He fires a lot of the top execs Right away He also says that There's gonna be a $20 per month To maintain your verified badge So there's been a lot To talk about. I didn't know about that. $20. Let me repeat that $20 a month to keep your verified badge. So if you're verified, <laughs> Lord have mercy. No, you all lying. She's going so through the whole thing, the whole it's chat. The fam chat is going <laughs> off right now. Snoop can't silence her stuff. <laughs> but Roy makes a good point. Yeah. That $20 per month to maintain your badge, that's going to affect a lot of journalists. That's going to affect mm-hmm. a lot of folks. That's mm-hmm. going to affect a lot of people. And I know everybody's like, oh, so what's the big deal about a badge? When there's so much false information flying around, when you see a verified badge, and I know that that doesn't mean as much as it used to, because I do understand that there's politicians and different people that have verified badges that are still spreading false information. So I understand that there is already that happening. But the whole point of verifying certain people is so that you know, okay, this really is The Rock and not somebody that says it's The Rock. Or you can verify that this really is a journalist that writes for the AJC. This journalist really writes for The Athletic. That's what a verified badge does because now let's just, for the people that can't understand where I'm going, let's say there's there's no verified badges and now somebody just writes in their profile, writer for The Athletic. Why would you not believe that? Or how would you distinguish that they are or aren't? I could change my bio right now to say I write for The New York Times. You don't know if I do or don't. So there's a problem where you can't verify who's writing what and who's saying what. Facebook used to have a gray and a blue one, to Paul's point, like there was different checks and different things of that nature. So a lot of times people look at the verified checks like, oh yeah, it's cool to have a verified check, but there are reasons for those things. So when somebody comes in and says that they're gonna change systematically how things are set up and allow free speech, which of course, when you give people a niche, they took free speech as hate speech. So people use that to now, of course, say the N word and use a hard ER. High school students, college students, anybody with any sense, don't follow trends you will get in trouble nobody's gonna feel sorry when the world starts to attack you after you followed a very negative trend so my story that I'm bringing to the newsroom is that Elon Musk's sale of Twitter has went through and boy has it went through Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say
2: it I never ever could really understand Twitter and y'all all all (laughs) know this And so this does not hurt my feelings because I I hate going in there because I could never figure it out. But now the problem I have with this thing is free speech is fine. But then when you wake up on your timeline and you have a bunch of idiots on here, just massacring, you know, different ethnicities and all this stuff going on. It's just uh, it's just ridiculous. And I just think that, you know, that's the part for me that makes me want to just go away from am I saying that Facebook is any better because Facebook be trying to sneak some stuff in there, too. But. At a far less rate because they're supposed to be monitoring and making sure that this doesn't happen. But to your point, uh, Mr. Musk, he fired his head of uh, censorship security or something like that on air, you know, so no respect for anyone who is going to have accountability for what people say. And that's another problem I have. And that's why I said, I'm not going to miss Twitter if they just <laughs> it's not going to miss it. I'm just not like.
3: Right. Like, what is the agenda? He's not going to pay any attention to the people who use Twitter. But those sponsors and those businesses that pay for the ads and things on Twitter, if they start withdrawing in big, big chunks, it'll change his outlook and change his free speech. Right.
0: No, that's a good point. (laughs) That is a good point. And LeBron, of course, commented on this because I'm sure that of, of that free speech that people now are allowed to have, You have to understand the athletes are always going to feel an effect of whatever happens. So, that hate speech, I'm sure LeBron, earlier this year, there was an article about like who receives the most tweets and it was LeBron. And then it was like who receives the most hate tweets and it was LeBron. So, it's like, you know, those things work the same way. And so, LeBron, there was a tweet that said Elon Musk's Twitter takeover sparked a surge in the use of the N word on the social media platform. A social media research group told the Washington Post the use of the slur increased by nearly 500%. That's what I had told you guys earlier. LeBron responded to that tweet from Philip Lewis and said, I don't know Elon Musk. And to be honest, I could care less who owns Twitter. But I will say that if this is true, I hope he and his people take this very seriously because this is scary blank. So many unfit people. Saying hate speech is free speech, so it's already starting to hit the celebrities and the athletes Shonda and the different Rhymes. people of that world. Some Shonda Rhimes already
3: out; they're pulling out the big people, and I don't, that's and I don't need blame the big them. people and corporate America to to do something, and then and then it'll, something will happen. But just the normal people dropping off. 100,000, 200,000, he's not going to be caring about that. He's not
0: going to care because he's trying to make his money back. So you have to remember that he's a businessman. So, right when you see the $20 Twitter badge that they said might go into effect. No, By November 11th, by the way This is not like down the line things that we're Talking about, these are things that could be happening Really quickly, he's a <sighs> businessman Trying to recoup his expenses Because Twitter wasn't cheap And so he like, look That's y'all goes, I That's was just
1: I gonna say that yeah. I hope he loses a
3: bunch of money <laughs>
1: <laughs> it seems like he's hurting charging people for verifications. Yeah, I'm gonna say if you so rich and you think this is
2: all good, then why are you charging people? Why are you charging people with <laughs> money? You should be about yeah. the cause, right? That's the cause, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the why cause.
0: Don't call it Eli Musk broke.
2: Uh, we have to
3: pay for <laughs> his cause now.
2: No, but I'm just saying, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, he's trying to make it so, you know, these people these verified badges, $20 a month. I mean, I wouldn't care enough because I can say what I want to say regardless if I have a badge or not. People <laughs> are going to believe me if I don't have a badge or if I do have a badge. That's so true. why would I pay you $20 for them to verify what I'm saying is true when I could just say a bunch of lies and people still going to listen to me? If I go in there And say something About number 45 That's great And that's wonderful It could be a complete I could say he Flew <laughs> on a, a Unicorn across the sky And dropped Cole. 50 bags of money The nut jobs That want to believe it Are going to believe it mm-hmm. That's true. True So
0: Cole said I don't need to pay $20 For anybody to believe me People believe Anything anyway they And do.
3: I was one of those people sure. I remember I got caught uh, Renee had to tell me You have to look For the verified check Yeah Because nobody Like snook conversation with Shaq.
0: I couldn't believe it y'all That's a story for another day We don't Don't. have time for that But I'm going to tell you right now Snook got on our fam group chat And was so excited that she was having One on one conversations with Shaquille O'Neal I swear that I'm telling you the facts Because this is how I met Shaq Snook thought she met Shaq And I had to let her know Was there a blue check there If not, boo boo You are talking to I don't know who and And that's why we need Real verified badges That we don't have to pay for But we'll talk to y'all about it next time. That's the In The MoCo Newsroom. Lord, help us in Twitter, too. Coming up next, it's lit, y'all. We have the podcaster. We have the actress. We have the comedian who is also on tour right now. Smart, funny, and black. Check it out. It's usually sold out. But we have Amanda Seals in the building. We have comedian, writer, producer, actress, all of that, Amanda Seals, okay? Welcome to the show, Amanda. Hi, y'all. Thank y'all for having me. (laughs) Yes, sir. Okay, so Amanda, we're excited to have you, first of all, because of everything that you touch is like in our lane. And so, first of all, the Black Outside Tour is pulling up in Atlanta. We know that the brat is one of your black spurts. So I (laughs) I want you to explain to people that may not know, what is it that a Blackbird is and what do they do for you? Uh,
4: so a Blackbird is one of the key components of my show Smart Funny and Black. Our black Spurts are basically the name that we have for our contestants because Smart Funny and Black, even though it's a sing-along, even though it's improv, <laughs> even though it's a variety show, at its heart, it's a game show. And our blackbirds are competing in games that I create that test their knowledge of black culture, black history, and the black experience. To at the end of the game, find out who's gonna be inducted into the illustrious league of Master Black Spurs. So,
3: <laughs> Oh, that sounds it. fun. That sounds yeah, I'd like to compete in something All like right. that.
4: Okay. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. So, yeah. Smart Funny in Black, the live show is a show that is in theaters and on stage. Um, so it's a live show that we do on stage. Our last show of the year will be in Brooklyn on October 29th. I haven't announced our second Blackspurt, but our first Blackspurt on that show is none other than Method Man. Whoa.
1: Oh, oh, yes. Was, yes. So
4: very, very, very <laughs> exciting. <Yes>. Geeking <laughs> out, geeking out. And like, <laughs> let me just say that like, it was literally as easy as me being like, hey, Meth, would you want to do Smart, Funny, and Black? And he says, say less. Wow, yeah. that's how happen that's how you gotta show up okay (laughs) we were doing a radio show uh smart funny and black radio just you know when you have a brand and people really like support that brand it becomes like how do you move that brand in different spaces and you know expand that brand so we were like okay let's expand smart funny and black to a radio show so we would play a game on the radio but we'd also like talk about news stories and also it's in the mindset of talking about black culture but with a humorous perspective I always say it's by any joke necessary so we were doing that um <laughs> we were doing that at lol network for a time but we've been on a hiatus because of like contract stuff and just like trying to figure out how we can bring it back so stay tuned y'all stay tuned
0: completely understand okay but then we gonna get into it Then smart funny and black it reminds me
1: of the saying young black and gifted things we love to see and you got a production company of the same name as well yes, right exactly come on with I it. love the expansion <laughs> come on
0: That's dope. With it yes. so I always like to ask people When they book a show in Atlanta What are the things That you expect Of the city of Atlanta To be at Like the vibes you expect What's the energy You expect from Atlanta Black (laughs) One word That's it That's it Perfect
4: Perfect That's it (laughs) Like I got off a flight, I got off a flight at, LA, at uh, LA's airport the other day and I was coming from Detroit, but I heard though, you know how they line up the wheelchairs. I heard one of the women say, oh, this must be an Atlanta flight because <laughs> oh. there was so many
0: black folks that's like, no, it's Detroit. <laughs> Same, difference. <You> know <laughs> Same okay. difference. I like that. And you speaking of just black, congrats because you've been rolling for a while now playing the role of Tiffany on the iconic show, Insecure. One of my favorite shows. What was it like? The community getting behind that show and just, I mean, it became a religion at a certain point. Definitely. We were sad when it ended. I got to say, I got (laughs) to say, you know, we're
4: fans for sure. Uh, Well, thank you for the support. I mean, I think for anybody, you know, it's always a surprise. You don't really know what's going to hit and what's not going to hit, you know? So you just try and put your best foot forward. And so we were fortunate enough to come on at the right time in the right place and, you know, get the support of the community early on. And I think that's what also pushed the network to make sure that they got behind the show too.
0: Nice. Now that's dope. And so we're deep into the sports world. I played in the WNBA 11 years in the entertainment space. I see so many similarities between entertainment and the sports world and they cross a lot of times. And so in the sports world, we define greatness by championships. How many does somebody won statistics in their career you're an actress, you're a comedian, you're a common sense specialist. So like amongst (laughs) other things, but how does people in that crossover entertainment space, like how do you guys define greatness in y'all space? And I know that's a big question, but I always wonder that when we have these conversations in sports, it's statistical, it's easy. But on other sides of it, it's maybe not as concrete.
4: I mean, I think different people define it differently based on their values, right? Like for some people, it's just as basic as who's making the most money. Mm. For some people, it's as basic as who's the most famous. To me, I would base it on impact. You know, I don't think it's about how big your audience is, but more so about how strong your audience is, right? So how is the work that you're creating able to move folks and how, or, and even if it's not necessarily move them like in a activism way, like how does it move them and stir their emotions? You know, how is it able to be a part of their journey? You know, when you look at something as basic as like, okay, so if you look at like Disney and living single, right? Like I'm going to say like for black women, like there's impact in very strong ways on both ends. Like when I do a show, I can sing the living single soundtrack theme song and everybody gonna know the words, but then I can also sing part of your world and everybody's gonna know the world. You gotta think you want to think of a Bob?
0: I'm 20. You know?
2: <laughs> no, that's, yes. so that's that's very true. So
0: I would say impact. That's right. No, I love that because it it brings me to like. We see the impact that the industry has on culture. And so there was big news that just came out. Warner Brothers is shutting down its writer's director's workshop and stage 13 <laughs> unit. Both are major paths for underrepresented voices in television. So, like, I'm curious your thought on what does that do to the the diversity movement in Hollywood? And I'm laughing because of your reactions,
1: by the way, because I watch all your Instagram <laughs> videos and I, I can't yes! like, wait. Your reactions are everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
4: <laughs> I mean, I think even, even calling it a diversity movement is a misnomer. I think mm-hmm. there was a diversity knee jerk because people saw a black man murdered in front of them. And they were like, ah, you know, and they really quickly wanted to tell themselves that they were better.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: So they were like, let's hire DEI specialists. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in my mind, I'm like, if you need a DEI specialist. We already got a problem. Um, Exactly. And for what it's worth, like they give these specialist titles and they give them salaries, but they don't give them access in so many occasions. You know, they don't let them actually implement the things that need to be done to actually increase diversity. Because at the end of the day, Hollywood, like any other industry in America, is about preservation of power. And in America, preservation of power is held by white people. Boom.
2: Drop the mic. That's
4: it. That's it. Okay, so that's just it. I mean, there are other groups that also have managed to preserve power. But I feel like for what it's worth, white supremacy is the bottom line in this country. When we look at like programs like this ending and we look at, you know, Warner was bought by Discovery Plus. Discovery Plus is a British company. And from what I understand, the individual who owns that company is considered a very conservative thinking individual. When we look at history, which we always have to look at. We know that during McCarthyism, the industry of entertainment was very impacted. We know that as recently as the 50s, this has been brushed under the rug in a very effective way, but as recently as the 50s, the government 100% completely changed the way that entertainment was being created and being given to the people. And there were a lot of folks that were blacklisted, that were impacted, like people like
1: Lucille Ball, you know, like giant stars. Yeah, Um, like saying like they were communists and stuff. Mm -hmm. And
0: why? What happened for the people that don't know? Like what if you could like sum it up quick, like what happened? So McCarthyism was basically um Senator McCarthy was this
4: jackass senator. And listen, (laughs) most of them are. Um, who basically decided that he was going to plant his flag on raising a fear in this nation around communism. And so he, because of his position, he was able to really infiltrate spaces and get people on his side to like be his like sentinels right and f- try and poke out like who are the communists who are the communists and basically it was called the red scare so remember mm-hmm. this is also during the time of like the cold war when mm-hmm. america thought any day cuba was gonna drop a nuclear bomb yeah. really all, all of this is just a reaction to americans dropping nuclear bombs and being like y'all ain't gonna do the same shit as exactly. we did right? <laughs> right? Right,
2: that's, <laughs> that's literally what it was literally <laughs> we saw what ch- we thought we did and was like oh no we don't want that done to us <laughs> we're
4: now it. At the end of the day, it becomes like, how do I get power? And so once you have a scenario like that, people are so willing to lie or do whatever just to feel like they somebody. So they'll throw you under the bus. They throw her under the bus. Like, and it would be like, like I learned about this sister named Hazel Scott, who is like, was an incredibly powerful performer and she was not letting Hollywood play with her and they wanted, like she, she demanded that they dressed the black women in the film that she was in, that they dressed them at the same quality as the white women. Like she was making demands because of her talent and her power. She was married to Clay Powell. I just learned about her because I got to speak about like being a black woman in Hollywood as a part of her, a documentary that's happening in PBS. But my, I bring her up because she got targeted mm-hmm. and they took her out and we don't know about her. They said that she was the level of famous as like, Lena Horne, like she was up there, but they successfully took her out and she's become a hidden figure of sorts because like we don't know about her. Wow. But I say, the reason I bring all that up is because I feel like that's where we're going.
1: Hmm. And- trying to blacklist people.
4: I feel like we're going in a direction where entertainment is going to, once again, be very, very skewed because of the way the government is changing and the way that the energy of America is changing. And there is absolutely- a real need for folks who are against that to be very loud and to be very, very emphatic, you know, seeing them moved on lemon from late night to morning, seeing them cancel this, like these are all little things that you start putting the, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any mean. I just, when I took the gifted test in in kindergarten, they said, she is very good at trends. She can follow (laughs) trends. And
1: I'm just looking at the trends. I'm just like, damn. And you studied this too. And and, and you got a master's degree in African-American studies. So you, yes. you, you know, you know what you're talking From about. From
0: Columbia. Let me just let everybody know that you are what? speaking. Yeah. Drop yes. some stats on them, Serena. <laughs> <laughs> Degree in African-American studies from Columbia University, just in case people needed to know not. that information. <laughs> in you, didn't. you know what makes it unique, though, is that at Columbia, like there's
4: African-American studies programs at a lot of universities. But in our program, rest in peace to Dr. Manny Marable. He was really about like, how do we study the past to create a better future? And it wasn't a literature based course. And it wasn't a history-based course. It was a sociology-based course in that way.
2: Hmm, that's awesome.
4: Like his first day, y'all, he walked in with his Frederick Douglass hairstyle. and He <laughs> like slammed these books on the end of the table. And we're all like, ah. And he's like, do you
1: want hip hop to die? he was like, oh, no. <laughs> in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love how you talk about that. I saw your clip uh, when you did the interview with NPR. And you said people don't like to talk about race because they feel... Like it's gonna cause a a divisiveness or something like that, but we are living in a time, like you said, where you do have to be loud about these things because if you're not, if you if you don't speak up about these things, then slowly and surely we're going to start seeing things change right before our eyes so I hear a lot of people don't want to talk about race conversations so I've been hearing a lot of things online like normalized race conversations like even in 2020 when Renee opted out she was actually scared of doing that because she was bringing up a topic of I'm basically boycotting because there's a lot of racial tension going on right now and she thought she was going to get blacklisted for that but to your point it didn't happen back then and we got too empowered so now they're trying to do something now because we're like okay it would, the, the, they, they got too empowered back then Like now it gotta be Something gotta change <laughs> Yo, your reaction Your facial, Amanda Is the best
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen You know it, It's People always ask me Like what's gonna, What's different now Than the 60s Like with civil rights Like what's different now hmm. I'm like,
1: Wi-Fi mm-hmm.
4: Right The age of information Yes right. Access to each other Access to information I get so frustrated Because I feel like Folks are willfully ignorant and there's Mm -hmm. no reason for that. You know, I don't know how any self-loving black person could even suggest for a moment to vote for that dude that was in office previous. And, you know, because I'll still have people be like, you told us to vote for Biden. And I'm like, what was your other option? Exactly. (laughs) They'll either say, well, I could have voted for so-and-so or they'll be like, I could have not voted. And I'm like, so, oh, we're just different. Those are not options to me.
0: Right, mm. you got to vote. You got to just pick, you got to pick vote. a side and roll with it. And That's we're it. talking about you brought up a little bit of politics and you know, I'm sure you heard about the news story of the president of the LA City Council, uh Nery Martinez in case people don't know, she was caught hot on mic. record with a hot mic basically, but I don't even know if that was necessarily the situation, but she was talking to other city council members now A lot of people from the Black and brown communities are outraged by the remarks, but it's not only that for me, but I think this touches on not only racism, but politics in general. Like Like the city of LA out here has their own set of politics in in a sense of that nature. I don't know if you live there or anything, but what are your thoughts on like politics and and people are surprised that maybe the fact that it was a Latina saying that, like, I just want your thoughts on the whole situation.
4: I do live in LA. I mean, I think for what it's worth, they're not a unique case. And if they got caught this time, it's because they've been doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not... Someone didn't just randomly decide to record them this day. Somebody was like, I'm going to record them this time. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I've heard enough I'm about to get it This yeah. time for real Yeah You know someone had said to me So I put up a video Where I was reacting To this woman's uh, and To their conversation Right And so someone in the comments It had been reposted somewhere And someone in the comments Was like Well What I don't like about this video Is that Amanda is reacting To what they're saying As if she's perfect And if somebody played A video of Amanda talking I'm sure That she would not be Absolved of any You know Negativity or whatever And I'm like, oh, I'm sure there's videos people go play at me where people will have some shit to say. They have shit to say about people, about videos I put up of myself.
1: Um, So,
4: but I think what the caveat here is, is that I am not in a legislative position. I am not in a scenario where I am making decisions about the constituency that I also have biases about. That's what these people are. I am not an elected official that is meant to serve communities and to be that position while you are talking about in disparaging ways, the communities that you serve, it makes it to where you are no longer... A valid choice for that position.
0: It's that simple. That's it. Right.
3: I totally agree. And that's why we have so much work to do in our community because a lot of times, you know, they talk about what we do and what we, as far as voting, the people that we really need to know are our local people. Definitely. those are the ones that impact our lives the most. Not the, you know, necessarily the national election. We need to be looking at our local Georgia,
0: people. Georgia. <laughs> we hear from I'm here in Georgia, so I don't know Laura if you know Amanda, but Hammersen. I'm based in Georgia. So so, if anybody lives in Georgia, y'all know that we have seen an array of ad campaigns that almost look like skits to me. It could probably rival right. your improv show, Amanda. Yes. It could probably be as wild as your improv show at this point it's because comedy. it's getting crazy in the political world. And I'm sitting here in Georgia where. There's a lot going on, Amanda. There's a well, lot sometimes going Sometimes I'm on. just like, are y'all
4: trying to be politicians or comics? Like, what are y'all, what are y'all, <laughs> what are y'all trying to do? What's going on? Right. No, it's frightening. And, you know, you have people like Ted Cruz in Texas. And it's like, I watch him and I'm like, oh, you think you're famous. Like that's (laughs) like that's your vibe. Like you walk around like a Kardashian. Like that's the energy. Unfortunately.
1: Energy. And he even said it in the airport. He said, Do you know who I am? You you see? Exactly. (laughs) I be knowing. It's almost as
0: if it is a popularity contest and not more so a stand on certain topics contest. Well, I will say say that
2: our, our previous administration proved that. Our previous administration, he came from a crazy position to become president. I'm sorry. I just that's just me. So I think that all of them are trying to walk in his footsteps per se. But that's my thought process.
4: My thing about him is I think it's deeper and darker only because like, okay, so we've seen folks that were in television or whatever, like become politicians, right? Like Ronald Reagan was an actor. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California. Al Franken was a, I don't know if he was a senator or a congressperson, but he was also like a comedian and actor. And as somebody who was in this field, like being able to talk to people, like, you know, that's a part of being a public figure, right? So yeah. I get why that may not be as abstract of a transition. But I think with Orange Trash, I think the thing about him <laughs> okay, what? is that he oh my God. <laughs> got into a position but through like sinister means, Absolutely. like there, like like he rallied folks behind a message of hate. Yes, there you go. Yes, he rallied folks behind the message of hate, and so I think that um, yes, he has encouraged these other folks to think that they can too, like be in the spotlight in the same way. But I think that it's the marriage of them doing it as like this actor type vibe mm. with this hatred message. It's the combination of the two for me because that's what makes it a cult.
1: Yeah, and the influence, no, yeah. And, it, and it has a big influence, and you know, like, people know that influence right now is almost everything to them.
4: I mean, the truth is, too, it's like,
1: so I had I had hit up my
4: homeboy to ask these other dudes if
1: I could come on their podcast,
4: and they turned me down because they said, we don't want to talk about politics, and she's not a rapper and an athlete. What? And oh, I'm not going to lie to you. I no, you my, lying. Wow. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it hurt my little feelings, okay? It hurt my little feelings. No, no, but, w- wow. but I'm just like, yo, I thought about it, and I was like, I never... Like, I've always no, been someone no. who was like socially conscious, but I've I only recently feel like I became more politically like knowledgeable where I like learned these white people names and, you know, like, I like made it my business to learn these white people names. Like, and like, just so I can like talk, you know what I mean? Like, just so I can like speak, um, knowledgeably, but also so I can like truth translate for folks. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. and, and, and I just thought about it and I was like, you know what? I don't want to be nowhere where we're not going to touch on politics at, at, mm-hmm. at, because we're in such a time of crisis. If we're not talking about it everywhere, even in we're the in smallest
3: trouble. of ways, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Exactly. We're we in trouble.
4: Exactly.
3: You preach, girl, you go ahead and right. preach. <laughs>
4: Thank you, mama. <laughs>
0: Coming up next, we continue our conversation with Amanda Seals and I ask her, has her social media ever affected her
1: acting career?
0: I'm going to remind the people to get master's degree in African-American studies from Columbia University. So I want to ask you what role we saw a lot happen in 2020 and athletes really were at the forefront. What role do you think the athletes play in teams and, and sports play in shifting the culture, even in the political realm? Because we've seen now that shift of the shut up and dribble to where now athletes are heavily involved in who or who doesn't get picked as whatever position they're running for. Let me
4: tell you something. In Australia... They are, don't quote me on this because I feel like there's nuances that I'm missing. But basically like the aborigines, like the indigenous people of Australia have never been represented in government. And like, they are trying to now like get representation in government. And the the politician who is really at the forefront of this like he brought on Shaq. Wow. Shaq. Yes. Like he's enlisted Shaq to like help bring this message to Australia. So wow. like even outside of America it's like Shaq all right, you a big nigga, come over here and talk to these people. <laughs> shazam! You know? Like, shazam! Shazam! So I say all that. I say all that to say, oh my God. Um, you know, it, shut up and dribble is so funny to me because we are no longer in a time where your profession is the only thing you are. Like, it, that's what it used to be. It used to be like you're a musician and you do music. I don't know nothing about your life outside of the music you're doing. Y'all, Prince would not have been able to be Prince in this era, right? so much of the dopeness of prince was the mystique yeah. of prince, it was, right? yes it
2: absolutely Yep. so
4: like in this era like nobody has mystique like every and even mm-hmm. if when they're even when they're trying to have mystique eventually it's like aha gotcha bitch. you know <laughs> so, <laughs> beyonce tries <laughs> she try, tries. she tries she, tries, yeah, she but tries but ever so often she has to be like look at my kids you know right. like yeah. exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> so i feel like you know athletes are a part of that same conversation right like they have have so much reverence by their fans. They have so much visibility that there is a certain level of responsibility that they have by nature of those things to show up right. And they are also, on top of that, incredibly privileged. And with privilege comes obligation. Mm, I love that.
1: With privilege comes obligation.
3: Yes, and you know, athletes as well, They are the ones who bring so many cultures together for that game.
1: And so what
3: other platform we need to really pattern ourselves after athletics, because when you're playing and your teammates, nothing else matters. And so we need to get to that with how we deal with people in everyday life, really.
4: But I do feel like there's there's a power that athletes have in saying, like, we're not going to be just entertainment for y'all. You know, like you don't get to just come here and enjoy what I do without
2: Hear my message,
4: and having regard for my experience, right? Yes, Yes. because how many stories have we heard of like athletes getting pulled over by cops who didn't know that they are athlete, you know, and they was about to they about to tear them up, and then they're like, "Oh no, that's so so." (laughs) 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 It ain't funny, but it's funny because how true it is. Like it's not funny, but so because I can put this ball through this hoop, you're not gonna hurt me. But before that. Right, I was. It was for the taking. You were trash. So yes. Listen. <laughs>
0: exactly.
4: yeah. So I, I just the think, other yeah, color trash. No, I mean that's amazing
0: because I was going to ask you, like, you know, at a certain point it was with blue in, trash. In the, <laughs> at a certain point, it was like not okay, maybe for athletes, but. With you and your, like, you're in still in Hollywood. And so your Instagram, first of all, is unapologetic. That's what's up. Does that ever affect your actual job and casting? And has anybody on your team ever been like, whoa, 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 you might want to slow down there. People might not like it, you know, because that was the ultimate fear in sports to why athletes didn't do it in the first place.
4: I mean, that's the ultimate fear in Hollywood still, you know, Mm -hmm. like if you think Mm -hmm. about it, like there aren't a lot of me's. And I'm not saying that there aren't folks that do things behind the scenes and I'm not saying there aren't folks that, you know, create content that challenges, because that's absolutely true. But in terms of like the vocalness of it, like it's not really as, I don't feel like I'm a part of a camaraderie ship of people. But that being said, there was a point in my life where I was like transitioning out of music and trying to figure out where my next phase of life was going to be and It really was a very kind of uncertain time. So you're just kind of taking insight from anybody who's got something to say. And the thought process was like, oh, Amanda, like you need to like get white people on board. Like I've talked about this in a number of places, but like there was just this thought process that I needed to stop talking about these things because it's like keeping me from becoming a certain level of famous. I got over that hump and I just decided like I'm going to be as black as I want to be and anywhere that doesn't want that is not for me. So I kept it moving in that regard. But I remember when I was um, selling, I was trying to sell Smart Funny in Black to a network. The original logo had a Black Power Fist on it. I was partnered with Jesse Collins and Dion Harmon. And they are who produce the Super Bowl halftime shows, wow. the BET Awards. The executive mm-hmm. produced my special, Abby Nowen. And right. so we were working. But this was our first time ever being like put together because we had the same agency. And so we were put together to work together. They black, I'm black. So they put us together. So, uh, which was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cause those are two of my closest friends. And I remember my agent saying when we were sending them like the deck, which is like the basically like the PowerPoint presentation of the show, yeah. my agent being like, I think you should take the black power fist off of the logo off of the cover. Hmm. And I folded it was early on in being, it was early on me being in LA and that's, and I, I look at people and I get like, I try and have grace for people because I know how easy it is to fold Yeah. because especially when you're chasing your dream and especially if you have a humility about things, you're like, well, maybe I don't know better. Like maybe they do know better. Maybe they know something I don't know. And I should do this. Right. And at that time I was very much in that space and Dion was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, y'all. Dion was not here for it. Okay, and I was I like, it. Dion, listen, like this is what my agent is saying. Like this is what the team, the team, like we all talk about the team. This is what the team is saying. And she was like, that's bogus. She was like, I ain't with it. I don't like it. Like, and that's why that's
0: my dog to this day. That's why that's my dog to this day. That is amazing. Nice. And one last question. I want to know your thoughts on generational wealth, because that's kind of when, when my family got to have a seat at professional sports ownership. It wasn't about just the generational wealth for us, but it's like that's a legacy building thing. And so I'm curious your thoughts on, because we see a lot of other cultures, they build and they build together they build strong but what are your thoughts on generational wealth
4: um you know for me i think a lot of folks don't think about generational wealth because they don't even have access like to consider that like check to check is a real thing yeah the concept of generational wealth requires vision it requires support and it requires financial knowledge right and education which right. is something I think is like super duper lacking in our community and there's just a survival mindset it's a hustle mindset I need to get from today to tomorrow I need to get today from tomorrow like even like you know so many drug dealers it's like they just keep coming up and falling off because they're not stacking and like putting the money in somewhere else that can grow yeah. so they on and then they <laughs> off and then it's exactly. like Ah, uh, but I've got I hit a lick and now I'm on again. You know, and it's yeah. like, what's the point? And get it right, <laughs> right. back. There's a song
0: about Spend a check and get it right back.
4: There's a song about it. So, you know, generational wealth is an imperative part to black liberation, the same way that education is, right? But we saw these things happening and we saw them obliterated, right? We saw that happening in Durham. We saw that happening in um Tulsa, and mm. we've seen how this is a thought that is not fully thought out. So don't even try and judge me on it, but I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to philosophize on it for the sake of Montgomery and co. <laughs> hey. But I know it's not, I know that it's not like a innovate. I know that this thought has been talked about by other people, but like integration really disrupted the idea of generational wealth for black folks, because I feel like it became less about us trying to figure out how to do things together and figuring out more how to get into their spaces, quote unquote. Right. And I think that in a perfect world, it would have been how do we get into their spaces and continue to do things together? Right. Like, how do we get that money and funnel it back? How do we keep funneling it back, funneling it back? Right. A lot of us became detached. You know, the thing about capitalism is it comes from colonizing and colonizing is really about like, how do I get this to get on? And it's very individual. Whereas like black folks, we come from a tribal mindset. And even if one tribe wasn't fucking with the other tribe, it's still like, yeah, but in this tribe, like we tribe, right? (laughs) We we squad. And we haven't had the opportunity to form tribes in that way Mm -hmm. in America. Like we instead form gangs. And those gangs don't feed each other with positivity. They feed each other with toxicity. Mm-hmm. And so it still ends up like, okay, we're, we're together, but we're hurting each other. Like, you feel me? It's a thing that I'm always trying to think about and really work towards. But like, I, like my father who I don't fuck with, but like my father had a house in Boston in like Roxbury, which is being gentrified and he sold it. And I'm like, you got five wow. kids. Yeah. Wow.
2: Yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. legacy. Why would you do that? Yeah. This,
4: this man has a business degree from Tufts. You have an MBA from Tufts. You have an uh, MD from Harvard. Wow. Okay. Wow. Why are you doing dumb shit <laughs> like that? <laughs> that's
0: how generational wealth could get messed up, too, in the form of when you do actually have the access. You talked about the knowledge of it. This is an asset that you have that you kind of didn't even get the most out of when you had the access to it. That's the thing where the knowledge comes
1: in.
4: Land and possession, like these are real things, you know, being able to have streams of income that exist without you having to physically do the work. Like these are real things, you know, understanding the way that interest rates and, you know, These stocks and debt and credit work. You know, a lot of these people, mm -hmm. a lot of these people ain't rich. They just got credit out the wazoo. Exactly. America is not a rich country. We just have really good credit. Right. You're right. Everywhere. You know, we basically Mm -hmm. take over everybody else's economy so that we can be like, oh well, see, we got their economy now, so we have good credit. So Mm -hmm. I I think generational wealth is something that is so necessary, but feels very far away. If I'm being honest. Because I think before we can get to financial literacy, we need to get to community literacy. Mm. And my existence on the internet has let me know that we are, as a community of Black folks, we don't have enough community.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And Listen, we need more voices like that's yours. That's what I was so going to keep say. Keep on
0: doing what you're doing. And you talked about tribes. And so we have a production company ourselves, Think Tank Productions, which is women-led and bred too. So smart, funny, and black. Let's make a tribe. Let's build together. Amanda, mm, yes. thank you for joining us here on Montgomery & Company. Yes. We black outside, baby. Me. Pull up owner, okay? <laughs> yes. That's your, time. Time.
4: <laughs> you your <laughs> But you see what happened? What happens is I've been getting in these interviews and I talk really really serious and they're like she's a comedian I'm like
1: yeah
0: yeah like I tell jokes on
1: stage
0: I tell jokes on stage no, your comedy is how you hit the topics like you've covered a yeah. lot of yeah. topics and we laugh but then with some serious topics you just covered so <laughs> if y'all yeah. know like, that's what real it's humor is. is and
1: that's, that's smart humor yeah. you know like we love smart humor in, in our family so yes, yeah we, we love do. It really We do. we do love smart <laughs> humor so thank you, well, thank Amanda. y'all for having me go to amandaceals.com yeah. and get your
4: tickets y'all and so oh, yes. you already know we did support support <laughs> so thank y'all
2: I'm Nicole Young, and I'm a serial voter. I've been voting in every midterm and general election since I was 18, and I will be back out on November 8th to vote again.
3: I went to the polls with my grandparents before I even knew what voting was. And since they instilled that in me, I have voted in every election, midterm and national, since
1: 1971. I'm Serena Grace, Y hablando de Gerenaciones, I remember when my mom became a U.S. citizen and finally being able to vote. I remember thinking, I can't wait to grow up and vote because she showed me how important it is to have a voice. Entonces, este próximo martel, salgan a votar el próximo 8 de noviembre.
0: What's up, what's up, good people? I'm Renee Montgomery, and I am a worldwide voter. What does that mean? Well, usually as a WNBA player, we play overseas in the offseason. So whether I was playing in France, Italy, Australia, Turkey, Russia, it didn't matter where I was playing, I was still voting. I was mailing that thing in, and I've been voting since the first time I voted at UConn and i'm gonna be voting until the end of time november 8th see you there shouts to amanda seals for coming through man educated hilarious just all of that I know it's smart funny and black but I want to just elevate it like I mean y'all heard her accolades shouts to Amanda Seals and if you were listening to this episode and we we're like oh wait Twitter blue we saw Elon Musk tweeted out that it's only going to be eight dollars and not 20 well we filmed this episode before all of that dropped which is also why we did not get a chance to say All of our just share our grief, share our sadness for losing takeoff. And it's it's just crazy even saying it right now. You know, being here in Atlanta, Migos was huge. Migos was everything. Migos was mainstream. Of course, we know that. But Migos was Atlanta. And so it's just a tough loss, you know, for everyone. Our hearts go out to Offset. Our hearts go out to Quavo, you know, because... We understand you could see the bond that they had, you know, me being as close as I am to my family and me having a family business. Y'all hear our family business right here, you know, on MoCo. Y'all hear that we work together. We do business together. We do everything together. And that's the same thing the Migos did. And so it's just tough when you just see that someone lost someone so close to them, someone that was so important to them. Every time someone loses a life, that happens. We just so happened to get to see it live with Migos and how, you know, they were the family dream. That's the American dream. You know, you get lit, you turn up with your boys, everybody made it. That's how the Migos had to have felt. And so, you know, just thinking about, oh man, just the loss at 28 years old. And when things like this happen, it just makes me think about, you know, cherish life. I know everybody says that, but we really have to start being about it. And if you're already about it, then kudos to you. That's amazing. You know, I always try to live life a certain way. People always ask me, you know, why am I always so happy and all these other things? It's because I like, I love life and I enjoy life and I want to continue to love and enjoy life. And so when someone loses life, it's a tragedy. So rest in peace to the legend Take off.